Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am your host, Ben Davison, and it is Sunday, the 22nd of January in the year 2023. And I hope wherever you are around Australia or around the world, you have had a great weekend. And since Van and I spoke with you last, you have had a successful and happy few days. Because let me tell you, friends and good listeners of the week on Wednesday, There has been lots of good news for us to talk about today and a few sad points as well. The first thing I want to talk about is the good news coming out of New South Wales. And that is that the Dominic Perrottet-led Liberal National Coalition is on its knees. There is now no question that Dominic Perrottet, the boy prince of the Liberal Party in New South Wales, is on the nose. The ALP primary is six points ahead of the combined Liberal National primary vote. The 2PP is 56-44 to the Chris Minns-led Labor Party. And don't forget, you can check out the interview that Van and I did with Chris Minns just before Christmas, for the week on Wednesday. That episode is still up. You can check it out in our archives there. It is really well worth listening to because it spells out some of the reasons why perhaps Dominic Perrottet's government is on the nose. The YouGov poll, which shows Dominic Perrottet to be so far behind in the polls, also looks at the key issues that are front of mind for voters in New South Wales. And those issues are unsurprising to people who listen to The Week on Wednesday. The same kinds of issues that dominate working people's lives. That is the state of the economy, the state of services, education, healthcare, roads, infrastructure, the things that everyday people need to access in order to go about their day. There's no question that Dominic Perrottet's government has failed on these issues. In fact, failed so much so that Unions New South Wales, the peak body for unions in the state of New South Wales, held a mass meeting of workers recently to talk about what they would do to restore the quality of services, the quality of state public assets should they be able to remove the Perrottet government. There was a mass meeting. It was held, I believe it was last Sunday. And of course, we know the union movement is front and centre in ensuring the quality of services for everyday, ordinary working people. Not only the quality of the services, but the quality of the jobs that come with those services. Now, when you think about more than a decade of liberal national misrule in New South Wales, Trains bought from overseas rather than built locally that didn't fit through tunnels. Trams built and bought overseas rather than built locally that didn't work on the tram tracks. Ferries bought from overseas rather than built locally that cracked in the harbour. The Liberals are failing workers in manufacturing. They're certainly failing teachers. We've seen reports just in the last week or so about teacher shortages about nurse shortages, about healthcare worker shortages. We know, of course, about the downward pressure, if you like, in inverted commas, that the Perrottet government continually puts on wages. 
when you are constantly squeezing everyday working people in their wages, in their conditions, they're sending their jobs offshore, and at the same time building nothing but toll roads, making it more expensive for those who do have jobs to go to their jobs, making it harder for everyday people, eventually, eventually in a democratic system, you will lose government. And friends, it looks very much like that's the future for Dominic Perrottet. Now, it's not all smooth sailing for Chris Minns and his Labor team. Of course it's not. It's not going to be a cakewalk. People are still going to have to get out there. The work is still going to have to be done. But if you've seen the quality of some of the candidates, and here I'm talking about people like our good friend Simon Earle, who's the candidate in Miranda. You'll have heard Van and I talk about Simon before. Came and visited us while Barb was passing away. Genuinely cares about his community, is a local who cares about local people and local issues. That's the kind of candidates that Labor is selecting. What we're seeing from the Liberals is this internal fight constantly bubbling up. Not saying Labor doesn't have its internal issues. Of course it does. Nobody knows that better than I do. But I can tell you this when you look at the disorganized, the rabble, the fact that the Premier, Dominic Perrottet, has to apologize for the costume choices that he's making as an adult, not so long ago. We have to remember, this was the youngest Premier in that state's history. So if he was good enough and smart enough and capable enough in the eyes of the Liberals to be Premier at such a young age, how is it that we should be expected to forget all of those capabilities when he makes those decisions only a few years before he went into Parliament. That's the comparison. And of course, now what we're seeing in the polls coming through quite strongly is the people of New South Wales saying, well, actually, on a primary basis, we want to give Labor a six-point lead, and on a two-party preferred basis, you're talking 56-44. Labor only needs to win five seats to govern in minority, 11 seats to govern in majority. It is well within reach. Mind you, friends, if you want those services, if you want better schools, if you want better healthcare, if you want better public transport and Sydney rail working and Sydney water working and Sydney working, let alone Newcastle, let alone Lismore, let alone Broken Hill, let alone the rest of New South Wales, then you've got to Get involved. And of course, the best way to be involved is the first step to being involved is to join your union. You go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W, you join your union, you find out how your workplace issues are being represented in the political sphere. You gather together with people, not just in your workplace, but in similar workplaces. Instead of letting bosses put us in competition against one another for their profit, we come together as a movement of workers to get the outcome for us and our community. Huge opportunity coming up in March. Join your union, get involved. If you're in New South Wales, now is definitely the time. And of course, anywhere around the country is always a good time to join your union. You can join at that link. You don't have to be in New South Wales. It's australianunions.org.au slash wow. I'll post it up. You'll see it. You can find it anywhere. 
Of course, the other piece of really good news that keeps getting buried in the mainstream media, and this really annoys me, and I don't know about you, but I've had enough of the conservative media trying to pretend that somehow or another the concept of an Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander voice to parliament is unpopular because this, the reality, the reality is that it is popular. The reality is that if this vote were held today, we would have a voice tomorrow. That's what the polls are saying. You heard Van and I talk about this in the last episode of the week on Wednesday, that in Western Australia, it's two to one saying yes. Now, in New South Wales, the same polling that was released in the Daily Telegraph that was spun as people unsure about voice was very clear that for every no vote, there is 1.6 yes votes in the state of New South Wales. For every no vote, there is 1.6 yes votes in the state of New South Wales. This is a conservative campaign to try and break down and stop the momentum of progress in this country because the majority of people in the majority of states want a voice. They want the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to parliament to succeed, absolutely want it to succeed. Even Roy Morgan, Roy Morgan's polling, and I can break this down for you state by state. Roy Morgan's polling is a little bit different to the other polls that I've referenced, but in New South Wales, it's 52% yes. In Victoria, 55% yes. In WA, 63% yes. South Australia, 54% yes. And in Tasmania, 68% yes. In Queensland, it's trailing a little bit. It's down a little bit in Queensland. And when you think about the fact that the most senior member of the Liberal Party, the leader of the Liberal Party, who is from Queensland, the member for, for Longman, Peter Dutton, is out there sowing seeds of confusion, sowing seeds of doubt, reaching for, as Jim Chalmers put it, I believe today, the Tony Abbott playbook, something that is fundamentally toxic to both Australian culture and Australian democracy. When that Queenslander is doing that, I can understand why Queensland is falling behind. Now, I hope that Queensland will vote yes, and I'm sure the campaign will continue to push for a yes vote in Queensland. But let's be very clear. If the Roy Morgan numbers were replicated tomorrow around the country, then there would be a voice. That's the reality. That's the reality. So all of this all of this noise, all of this doubt, all of these conservative commentators piling on, those of us who believe there should be an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to parliament need to step up. We've all got to do it. We've all got to be allies here. This is an important, important moment. The narrative cannot be allowed to be hijacked by Sky and by Dutton and by The Australian because the reality is the majority and in most states, a very clear majority want the voice. So let's make it happen. Get involved in the campaign wherever you can. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Talk to your workmates. If people are unsure, people say, oh, what about the detail? Direct them to that Guardian article on our Facebook page. We will keep posting 
those details. The points are very clear. It is three simple changes to the Constitution. It is a simple body that will make recommendations and give advice to the Parliament and the government of the day. It doesn't have power to override government. It doesn't have power to override the Parliament. It is a voice on issues that relate to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and policies that will impact them so that they are clearly heard, clearly heard on those issues. That's that's all it is. It's nothing to be afraid of. No more to be afraid of than any kind of parliamentary committee process. Except on this one, you've got a referendum to say, yes, we want to have it. So make sure that you don't let the conservatives hijack the narrative because the reality is the majority want a voice. Now, there's two pieces of somewhat sad news. Jacinda Ardern has decided to retire. Now, you can read all about Jacinda Ardern in the Guardian Vans articles on Jacinda Ardern. She wrote an amazing piece about Jacinda Ardern for the Guardian this week, just on the day of the uh, announcement. It was a beacon. Jacinda Ardern was a beacon of Labor hope at a time when the English-speaking world had become dominated by conservatives, Trumpians, Boris Johnson, Scott Morrison, this idea that perhaps, perhaps the right, the far right, were going to take over for a long period. Jacinda Ardern not just showed that you could be strong, but that you could be compassionate, that you could have policies that helped working people and made your country strong. So we wish Jacinda Ardern the very, very best. I won't talk too much about that. There's lots of commentary out there about Jacinda Ardern, except to say, of course, that we are heartbroken that she copped so much abuse, was given so much grief, and that such a capable leader for New Zealand, and really on the world stage as well, will no longer be playing that role. Hopefully, she will play some new role and her skills and talents will not be lost to the broader movement of working people around the world and in New Zealand itself. Check out Van's article. I'll have links for it in the email that I send to our supporters. And of course, you can check out on The Guardian itself. The other somewhat sad piece of news that I want to touch on today is this issue about Qantas. Now, in episode 104 of the week on Wednesday, we talked about a conversation that we had had with some representatives of Qantas maintenance workers. And in that episode, you can hear just how concerned Qantas maintenance workers were about the cuts that Alan Joyce has been implementing over a long period of time to maintenance, to the fleet, the lack of investment in apprentices, the lack of investment in the fleet itself, and what that might mean in the long run for Qantas, an airline that has been for its entire existence synonymous with safety, what that might mean for that reputation for safety and reliability. 
And let me tell you, friends, if you weren't already aware, the chickens came home to roost this week. And thankfully, thankfully, no one has been hurt because in just three days, four Qantas flights were impacted by mechanical issues and had to turn around or land under Mayday conditions as a result of mechanical issues. This is unheard of. We knew we had we knew there was a problem when there was problems with the baggage. We knew there was a problem when there was problems with checking. We knew there was a problem when flights were being delayed and flights were being cancelled. We've known there are problems. These problems have not snuck up on Qantas or the nation. The workers who work at Qantas have now for years been saying that Alan Joyce and his management team have been cutting and cutting and cutting, not cost, but the airline. They have been cutting into the airline. Engines, wing flaps, landing gears, these are all things that a plane needs and needs to work properly in order to be safe. And these are all things that have gone wrong in just a few days on different planes. The staff at Qantas do a remarkable job. And anyone, anyone who works at Qantas or in any airline would be very wise to be a member of their union because the union has worked so hard to try and make sure not just that wages are good, not just that the conditions are proper and the jobs are secure, but that the quality of the work is worthwhile. And this was what the workers were saying to us all those months ago, way back. We're talking September when we had that conversation. Way back in September, they were saying, these are workers who've given their entire working lives and who have come to the union, come to their organiser, who've come together as a union and said, we just want to invest in more apprentices, more trainees. We don't want this airline to fall apart. We don't want there to be mechanical issues. Please put it in the EBA. Please, please. And, of course, the organisers are working with those delegates, working with those members to try and make that happen. But Qantas itself refuses. Alan Joyce does not want to work with the workers. You know, go to australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W, join your union. And if you're in an airline, absolutely join your union because it's the workers on the front line, it's the workers who are doing the work who know about the issues. And this is what frustrates me no end. The workers have been saying Alan Joyce is toxic for months, for years. And yet, and yet, the board has continued to allow him to exploit the workers, exploit the taxpayer, turn a blind eye to all of these issues. In fact, had active policies of 
that would ensure these issues happen. It doesn't take it doesn't take a jet engine scientist to realize that if you cut apprentices, if you don't train people, if you outsource to the cheapest rather than the best value, then you will have more issues and more problems. The board did nothing when it was baggage. The board did nothing when it was check-in. The board did nothing when it was delayed flights and cancelled flights. Now we have flights being turned around. Now we have flights landing on Mayday calls. How long will it be until somebody steps in and says that Alan Joyce, that Alan Joyce and his team of people who took $2 billion in taxpayer money, who have outsourced and stripped away and sacked Australian workers, who have taken bonuses and pay rises at the same time as freezing and driving down wages, who have set themselves up for nice, cushy, post-Qantas executive life while leaving Qantas with no pipeline of apprentices and trainees, when will the board step up and say enough is enough? I hope, I hope that they have, that they find their voice and I hope that they find their courage to do so. And I hope that it happens before one of these mechanical issues turns into a tragedy. Because that's the next step. That's what happens next. A mechanical issue that can't be resolved, a catastrophic failure. And none of us wants to see that. None of us wants a situation that has devolved to that point. And of course, at that point, then regulators and governments have no choice but to get involved. So, Qantas has to be reformed. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The opportunity was there during the pandemic for Scott Morrison to nationalise Qantas. He chose not to do it. He chose to prop up Alan Joyce with billions of dollars. And this, this is what happens. If you want to hear more about what the workers at Qantas in the maintenance area have been struggling with and dealing with for months and years under Alan Joyce. Check out episode 104 of the week on Wednesday. I think it was the first week of September when we recorded that episode. These are not new issues, people. These are not new issues. And we know how these things progress. You can see it over time, how it's progressed to this point already. And it doesn't take a crystal ball or tarot cards or to be Nostradamus to see the very tragic, very tragic place it can end up unless somebody does something and it doesn't look like Alan Joyce will be that person because frankly, I don't think Alan Joyce gives a red fig for the future of Qantas and our great national carrier. That's the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. Now, don't forget you can catch Van and I doing the week on Wednesday between the 22nd of February and the 15th of March at the Adelaide French Festival in the yurt. Tickets are on sale now. You can check them out. There's scale pricing, so there's a price point 
for every budget. We want to make sure as many people as possible are included. If you have ideas, things you want us to talk about while we are there, shoot them across. We're already getting some suggestions. Thank you so much to everybody who supports us through our Buy Me A Coffee page, buymeacoffee.com slash week on Wednesday. That community just continues to grow and grow. The podcast will always be free to listen to and download. The money that we get from our supporters goes into extending and building our audience. It continues to grow and grow. We're getting closer and closer to that million download mark. I would never thought in my wildest dreams for this podcast that we would have a million downloads, but we will get there in the year 2023. How soon we get there depends really, quite frankly, on you, whether you're sharing this podcast, whether you're liking it, whether you're helping us grow the audience, talking about it with your friends, families, colleagues, co-workers, that's what's going to make this grow and grow. It's what's made this podcast so successful to date. Ben will join me, of course, on Wednesday for the next episode of The Week on Wednesday. And until then, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.